welcome to the Communities Podcast. We hope this message will encourage, challenge, and ultimately grow you in your walk with Jesus. Subscribe for weekly messages and share this message with your community. Let's dig in. Amen, amen. Thank you for joining us on this series, Calling and Purpose. And my prayer for you uh, this Sunday morning is that you would find your calling and purpose and that God would just catapult you forward into where God wants to take you with your life, with your family's life in Jesus Christ's name. So <clears throat> I'm not going to talk about what we did last week. There is a recording. Ilana touched on it when she did the announcements. But this morning, we're going to go to Romans chapter number nine. If you have your Bibles with you, if you don't, what is wrong with you? But if you've got your Bibles with you, I hope you have your Bibles if you're in your house. Otherwise, you have a problem. Romans chapter number nine. But we don't judge. We love you. We, we bless you in Jesus' name. Yeah, I know that a few people can't join us this morning because of issues, fiber issues, internet issues, power issues, data issues. Uh, we just rebuke that right now. As long as we have to do it this way, may God make sure that your house lights are on. You will not get load shedded. Can I get an amen? You will not be load shedded. You will not have issues with your internet. Romans chapter number nine. This this Sunday morning, we're going to be talking about called into sonship. Your, the, the second part of what we want to deal with this morning is called to be a son in the house of the living God. Romans chapter number nine. I'm going to do some reading. So I'm from verse one to verse 26. I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and a continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all and eternally blessed God. Amen. For those who are making notes or for those who are highlighting verse 5, who are fathers, just want you to just kind of take note of that. This is, book of Romans is written by Paul. It's the last epistle before he passes away. Many people believe that he had written a lot of this, if not most of it, in prison. And the first couple of verses, Paul is saying, and this is just amazing in terms of the love that he has, is he said that I would rather lose my salvation, that I would be distant to God for the sake of the my countrymen, for the people that I love, for my brethren, for the Israelites, I would be accursed so that they may know God. In other words, I would lose my salvation almost to say, I hope that you would find God and not necessarily just me. Verse 6, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they children because they are the seed of Abraham. Just take note of the word seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. The, that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time, I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any, any, any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. But what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom, whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on, whom he who, on, on whom he wills, and on whom he wills, he hardens. Verse 19. You will say to me, why does then he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? 
But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Verse 23. And that he might make, have, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called, not of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles, as he also says in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There they shall be called the sons of the living God. I'm going to stop there. That's the most scripture some of you have read all week. I get that, but that's why I had to push it in the Sunday morning. Make sure we get to the word. <clears throat> so one of the favorite things I'm going to that that of the word. Uh, when I became serious with God, I, I I call it my come to serious moment because I grew up in a Christian home. And uh, but when I had got to a certain age, I was about uh, 18 years old, 19 years old, and I began to search God and I really began to become serious with the Lord. I changed my whole approach. The Lord spoke to me and said to me, forget everything that you know about me. I'm going to teach you from the beginning. And so when I had become serious with the Lord and I began to pray, I wouldn't pray in the understanding lest he gave me words to pray in the understanding. I would pray in tongues only until he began to give me the words what to pray. And in those moments, those three days leading up to, to when God began to speak to me, when I changed my ways, so to speak, and I became really serious and I walked away from everything that I was not supposed to be part of. And I walked away from uh, relationships. I walked away from job. I walked away from, from what I wanted to do with my life, just in the pursuit of seeking God. And I touched a little bit on, on last week where I said that it was probably one of the worst decisions that I've made because it's tough when you follow Jesus. You've got to say no to a lot of things when you're following Jesus. And I remember in those three days, I was, I was praying. And when I say for three days, I don't mean that for, for 24 hours of the day, I was sitting there just praying and praying. But for three days, when I went to go pray, I would just keep saying to God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And on about the third, fourth day, I heard a little voice. When I say heard a little voice, a little internal voice, it said Mark 2 verse 5. And I remember there was a Bible book called Mark. And I turned over there and it says, and I'm and I got a new King James Spiritual Bible where the, the, the letters of Jesus is written in red. And, and as I was praying and I, I had this little voice and I turned over there and it said, Jesus said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Son, your sins are are forgiven you. Now you got to imagine after three, four days, you're praying. Every time you go to pray, you're asking God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And the Lord says that to you and drops into your spirit. Son, your sins are forgiven you. The greatest revelation that I had ever received of myself is that I am nothing until God calls me something. I am nothing until God calls me something. And if you are of the spirit, you will know who I am. And if you are not of the spirit, then what is it to me what you call me? A lot of times when we walk the road, we're constantly looking for titles. And with God, God takes you to a place where he says, I first call you into being and not into doing. There is a foundation when God calls you into being a son. is when he calls to you and he says to you, son, son, there is this assurance of knowing who you are. Good sons make for good fathers. When you are a bad son, you don't make to be a good father. But the grace of God is in such a way that you have the ability to be a son again. And one of the first things that God does is he calls you son. He invites you into sonship. And I want to just touch a little bit on that because it's a little bit further than, than just being gender. So if you're a woman... Don't worry, you're not having a, a breakdown in identity. God calls you son as well because it is Christ, Christos, who comes to live inside of you. You don't receive a Christina or a Kristalina. You receive a Christos. 
you receive Christ himself. So the calling of God is the spirit of God that comes upon you because the transition of a Christian is that you start off as a sheep, right? You know that if you read the book of John, you start off as a sheep, he calls you into a sheep, but he can't become intimate with you because that's bestiality. It's against the law. So you transition from being a sheep to being into the bride, right? So we are called the bride of Christ, but you can't remain a bride because I permit not a woman to speak nor have authority over a man. And so therefore the transition from being bride is to being in the very son of God. And so what God was really doing with us is he's transforming us into being the son of God. He's being a son like of God. And so I want to go back to Romans chapter number nine, because part of your calling is when he says in Isaac, I called you into the seed, I called you. Into a seed, the seed I called. The Bible says in the book of uh, book of Galatians and the book of Romans that you are part of the seed of Abraham. What is a seed? Now, according to the word, the seed is a word, but seed is also resources like your money. When you give money, it's part of you sowing a seed. But seed is also potential. That God calls potential that is not as if it was. That's faith. He calls the potential and part of discovering where you're going to go with your life. Part of your calling is when you begin to understand the potential that exists inside of you, it unlocks you and begins to show you the door of where God has called you. Because when you understand what you can do and what you understand that God has made you for, you begin to realize the potential that exists inside of you and that God has called that potential. And when that potential comes to life, you begin to see that you have more potential. And it doesn't matter if you're 70 and it doesn't matter if you're 15. There is always this growth process with you where God calls you into more and to more. But before you can start doing, you have to have a knowing. And when you begin to know who you are, you begin to know where you come from. You begin to know where God is sending you. You begin to know what God wants to do with you. And God looks to your identity more than what he looks to what you're capable of doing. But when you begin to see yourself in the mirror, in the word of God, the way that he sees you, you begin to see the potential that you are. And the more you grow in Christ, the more you become. And the more you become, the more you are. And the more you are, the more capable you are able to do. And I want to show you this because to me, in this Romans chapter number nine, talks a little bit on what happens in Exodus, which is one of the scriptures that God gave me very early when I asked him some questions about why do why do bad people get you know to make you know make it in life and why they get to do things. And God gave me the scripture in Exodus thirty three verse nineteen, which which is what Romans quotes, where he says, "I will show mercy on whom I choose to show mercy, and I will have I will have mercy on whom I." choose to have mercy, I will have compassion on whom I choose to have compassion. And isn't it great that God has shown compassion and mercy on you? So imagine the potential that you have. Understanding that you are not outcast. If you're listening to my voice, you are not a loser. You are not somebody that's thrown aside and life is not over for you. Because you will remember that Enoch was translated when he was walking with God and that he was perfect. You will remember, you will remember what happened with Enoch. You will only go when you're perfect. I want you to go to Luke chapter number 15 for me. You'll only go when you're perfect. And if you're still alive, God has still got purpose for you. You're not going to die before your time. You will complete the word that he has he has given you, and you will finish and do what God has made you to do. I want you to go to Luke chapter number 15. Because being part of a son is also understanding where you're going to grow into. Luke chapter number 15. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable, saying to them, what man have a hundred sheep? If he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Uh, 
And when he has found it, he says, on his, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friend and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be no more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 just persons who need no repentance. And I just want us to fast forward to verse 11. Then he said, a certain man, remember we're, we're talking Romans 9, so we're going to go back to Romans 9 in a minute. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with, the, with prodigal living. So when he had spent all that he arose a severe famine in that land, in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine are, that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out your best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring a fatted calf. And there I will kill it, and, lest us, and let us eat and be merry. For this is my son who was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found, and began to be merry. Now this older son was in the field. Now, the, now his older son was in, the, was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. Because he has received him safe, he has received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, and I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a younger goat. Never mind a fatted calf that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who was devoured, who has devoured your livelihood with his harlots, and you and you killed the fat, fatted calf for him, and he said to him, "Son, you are always with me, and that all I have is yours. What is right that you should make merry and be glad? For your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found." What we read here in this parable, what you have to understand is when the younger son asked the father, give me everything of yours, what he was saying to the father is, give me your inheritance. I hope that you're dead. You're dead to me because I want my inheritance. I wonder how many times we have turned our backs on the father, God the father, where we have seen him dead to us by the way that we live. And to me, this is something that always strikes me. And I have a problem with this story because I'm the faithful son, but yet in my faithfulness, I see the prodigal son being rewarded and not the faithful son. And I asked the Lord about this. What about the faithful? What about those who serve the Lord? What about the faithful? And the Lord spoke to me the one day and he said to me, Nicholas, the son that remained at home wasn't faithful to the father. As we're going back to Romans 9, he wasn't faithful to the father. 
Because staying behind doesn't mean that you're faithful. Because if he was faithful to the Father, he would be concerned about the things of the Father's heart. Because if he was concerned about what was on God's heart, he would have run after his brother. Because that's what his father cared about. And when God calls you into being a son, and what makes a good son is when a good son is faithful to the father's heart and understanding that this relationship that God calls us into is that he's the father and you're the son. And what he calls you into is he calls you into a place where he says to you, get to know my heart as a son. And when you begin to follow me and begin to, and you begin to see my ways, you begin to be faithful to what I want to do. And so many times we hear about what we want to do. When we go and pray, we say, God, this is what I want. I want this for my son. I want this for my uncle. I want this for my aunt. I want this for my job. And none of us really sit back and ask God, what do you want for my son? Because if you knew God's heart, you would know that for every son that God has, he puts him through a wilderness so that he may be tested and trialed and tempted by the devil. Because when God did that to his own son, he's doing that to us sometimes where we go through life when it's hard so that we may be tested and trialed so that we know what is inside of us. Remember in Deuteronomy 8 where God speaks to Israel, his firstborn, and he says to them, I tested you and I put you into the wilderness so that I may see what is in your heart, that I may know how you are on the inside. Because if you're truly a son of God, you will reflect the father's heart. Now, we must understand that this terminology where God calls himself father of Abraham, you must understand where this terminology comes from, because in the Semitic times, a father isn't as what we see a father today. Father was the highest authority in the house. So when we see, see him as the father of Abraham, we don't see him as just someone who fathers Abraham, which is what a father does, but we see somebody who has the final authority. That's where the terminology comes from. That's why we call God father, not because he is man or because he is male. In the Syriac Aramaic, which is what we believe that Jesus spoke mostly, which is what most people believe, Jesus spoke Hebrew, he spoke Greek, he spoke Latin. He, he, there's evidence in the Bible for that. And then he, 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 he and then what many people believe is he spoke the Syriac Aramaic, which was the common dialect of the time in the Middle East. And when you praise our Father who art in heaven in the Aramaic, it's Abun. Abun, not Abba. Abba is Father. Abun is O birther, is one who births. And so when we see God as Father, we see him as authority. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament and the story of Abraham, there is a little bit of a difference that you don't read in the Masoretic text in your, in your Bible, English uh, translation where the it says in the Septuagint that God saw uh, Terah, which was Abraham's father, dead before he was dead. Sixty years before he was dead, he, he called him dead because he was an idol worshiper. And the reason why he called him dead is because the baptism, well, not the baptism, rather the adoption, the 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 il, il selection of Abraham happened, where God began to become Abraham's father. And he said, I'll be your father. And I've called you to be my son. And there's only one way to the father, and that is through the son. We know that that is through Jesus. We know that you have received the spirit of God. We know that you have the mind of Christ. And so when, I, when, when the disciples look to Jesus to say, show us the father, he says this. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I wonder how many of us can say that where Paul would write it in Galatians 6, uh, in Galatians chapter six, where he says this by the stripes, let no one bother me about this, but by my stripes, I have identified with Christ. I wonder if we look at our lives today as sons and daughters of the living God, that you could see the interest of my father and you could see how faithful I was because I'm aligned to know what my father wants. And to know that when God calls you, before you be, that transition happens for you to become his son where you would know him. Because in the Jewish culture, a boy would grow up in a house under servants and the servants would then teach him the way of the father. Hello, church. The church is the servant of God to teach the, the, the sons of God how to, to conduct themselves in the father's house. That's why the fivefold exists for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is so that you may know how to be like your father. 
So that when you come of age, Galatians 4 verse 1 and 2, when you come of age, for those who are making notes, when you come of age, that, that what happened was the father would then stand in the marketplace and he would say, this is my son. He would point him out from amongst his servants. That's why God did that to Jesus when he got baptized, because the servant, the Holy Spirit, through Mary and through Joseph, brought him up in the house so that he may be like his father in heaven. And when his day had come in the day of baptism, he pointed him out. We heard a voice from heaven that said, behold, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. There comes a day when the father in heaven looks to you as sons and daughters of the living God. And he says, these are my sons. These are my daughters whom I'm well pleased. Your lifestyle is a reflection to, to, in the knowing that, so that you may know that those people who observe us may know what my father is like. That's why evangelism through how you live is so important. But I want to touch on this even a little bit further. And I want to go a little bit deeper on this. Because when God ever talks to Israel, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of people who were before you. And walking down the road and understanding what you are called for, what you are destined for, what you are purposed for, when you begin to understand that God is the God of your yesterday and the people that went before you, you begin to understand what is inside of you. Because Abraham wasn't just a guy walking around in the wilderness trying to find his way through the dust. Abraham was, was a patriarch. Abraham was the founding father of Israel, right? So Israel had a great respect for their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Had a great respect for them. So God is, is, is saying to Israel, I am the God of your potential, and your potential is when you understand where you come from. Watch. Where do you come from right now? Because when we say repent, for the kingdom of God is near, repent means a few things, not just change what you do, but also change what you think, but turn back to the place that you come from. Re is the prefix, English prefix, right? Paint, penthouse, higher. Paint is, talks about coming back to an elevated place. Repentance means come back to an elevated place. Change the way that you think. You are seated in heavenly places. You can only repent if you've come from. Every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God will come, it will, will prosper in the thing that he sent it to do. It will not return to him void. It will not return to him void, meaning that you come from him. You can only come from two places, Adam or Christ. And when you are born again, you are born in Christ. Therefore, you have moved your birthplace into him that has been eternal. So when you understand as a son where you come from, you understand that he is the God of your potential. He is the God of the people that went before you because they were all founded in Christ. That means that when you're going down this journey and unlocking where you come from, you must begin to understand, brother and sister, friend, stranger, you must begin to understand where you come from. You must understand that he is the God of your yesterday. He is the God before you existed. St. Gregory of Nyssa, which is one of the early day church fathers, uh, he made the following statement when he was addressing one of the heresies that was arising up in the church. And he made the statement. He said, if God, if God could think his first thought, he thought all thoughts. And you are a thought before you became into existence. So when you repent, you're just going back to the place that you come from. And when you are understanding that you are a son of God, you begin to grow up as being a father in God, where you begin to father other sons. You're just a servant helping other sons become like their father in heaven. You understand your role in the body of Christ. It's not whether I'm going to call you prophet or apostle or pastor or teacher or evangelist. God is a little bit above your titles. Part of finding out who I was when God said, you are nothing until I call you something, the thing that he had called me was son. And when I made the following statement to say to you that if you are of the spirit, you would know who I am. And when I said to you, if you are not of the spirit and you don't know who I am, what is it to me what you call me? Which means that God has not revealed me to you. Therefore, there's none of your business who I am. You just keep on living. God bless you. It's not, if you begin to understand and have a surety of who you are in Christ Jesus, you would not be too concerned what others call you. Mm. 
begin, but begin to walk in the in the road that you're supposed to walk, walk in the path that you're supposed to walk, walk in that streamline that you're supposed to be walking, so that you may reflect your Father who is in heaven. Being part, being called, isn't just something where you walk around and go like, "I'm called." That's great. What are you supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with you being called? Because the one who receives the calling is not the one who knows what the one who called is going to do with him. To understand this, that all of us are called, that once there was a people who were not our people, God would call you. He would put you into the fold. He would put you as one with his body. He would put you as one with his plan. Remember that in the in Exodus chapter before, God says to, 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 through Moses to Pharaoh, he says, let my people go. Let Israel, my firstborn, go. Then we have Christ who then takes over from the firstborn. And you are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, you're part of the firstborn. What does the firstborn get? What does the firstborn get? He gets double portion. He gets double blessing. The firstborn tells us what the father really wants. He gets to conduct the father's business. Therefore, that's why Jesus said, I only do what I see my father in heaven do. And you're part of the body of Christ. Therefore, you only do what you see your father in heaven do. That's why Paul writes to the Corinthian church, who was the most perverted church in the New Testament. And he says, you have the mind of Christ. There is a knowing, there is a maturity that begins to take place. John the Baptist was beheaded before Christ came. Why? Because God needed a new head for his body. And the head was not mature enough. That's why God did a new thing through Christ. And when you're growing up in, 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 in the book of Genesis, when Jacob has his dream, we see the angels ascending and then descending. Why ascending first? Angels usually descend first. Why ascending? Because angels as angelos, as messengers, messengers going to the head to get what needs to come through to the body and then coming back down to the body to tell what the body what needs to do. And Luke chapter number 15, the first parable of the lost sheep. The first parable of the lost sheep, what makes the one sheep important? What makes that one sheep important? Because we like to take this story and then say, oh, look at you. You lived such a bad life. God's going to come and fetch you and he's going to call you back. And we all have this, whoa, come back to Jesus. Whoa, come back to Jesus. And many people walk away from God because they want a story or they, they want to be like the prodigal son because we don't emphasize the importance of being faithful because the faithful son still has the full portion of the inheritance of the father. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to divide. He doesn't have to deal what, what he got. In other words, when you are faithful, there is a fullerness for you. There is a fuller portion for you to inherit. There is a, a more that God has for you. Now, don't be discouraged if you're a prodigal son. God loves you, but what makes the one sheep important? 99 sheep. Numbers in the Bible mean something. It's very important. 100 talks about a, a, a completeness. And the one has left the fold. The, one is, the one's importance is in the, in the relation to the fold that he is part of. In other words, God comes for a body. He doesn't come for a person. The Lord is not your personal Lord and Savior. He comes to save the, the whole body. I had a woman ask me this question. She says, where is it in the Bible that God loves us? And I was like, what do you mean? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever shall believe in him shall inherit personal love. She said, yes, Nicholas, that's great. But where is in the Bible that says God loves me, the individual? And I was like, whoops. Let's have a prayer meeting. Let's not answer that question. Because you cannot find that in the Bible. I'm not talking about if you read a paraphrased Bible like the Passion or the Message. I'm talking about if you go and look for word-for-word -word translations, the emphasis is not on the individual. The only time that there was an emphasis on the individual is where there's one body. And you are part of that body. Your importance is in the relation to the fold that you are part of. God calls us for good leadership. You know what was interesting about what was happening in South Africa and what was happening now with this um, riots and stuff? Good leaders were the people that rose to the occasion to try and deal with the situation. How many of you political leaders rose to that situation? Because I didn't hear nothing from nobody. 
Where was the church leadership in this situation? This is not being critical, but this is a true indication of what we are because in the Bible, God says that when the wolf comes, the hirelings run away. Being a part of a good, being a good shepherd, meaning is that you, we know that Jesus is the good shepherd, but he has called many of you to be good shepherds, that you don't run away when the enemy comes, but you take care of the fold. In other words, when God has called you to be a son, you must understand your role as a servant growing up in the house. You must understand that you reflect, you reflect the father. You are, when, when the son was ready to take over, when the son was ready to take over, it meant that the son was in a position to conduct what the father, the, the business of the father in such a way that as if he was the father. I think I butchered that, but I think you got the point. God calls us to be his sons and his daughters. God calls us son before he calls you anything else. And I want to ask you these questions this morning. What is your role as a son of the father? <clears throat> what is your role as a son to the father? What is your role as a son in the body? Because if you're a faithful son, you'll be faithful about what the father wants. And what does the father want for his body in this hour? What does God want for his body? How are you part of the fold? How are you faithful to what God wants? I said when we started out this morning, I made the following statement that good sons make for good fathers. Many times people become bad fathers because they were never good sons. And the grace of God is such that you, regardless of how old you are, you always have another opportunity to become a son. Because when God looks for fathers in the body, because fathers do three predominant things. One, they give you identity. One, they give you a place in the earth. And they leave an inheritance for you. When you have a father, those are the three things that you get. When you're a father, those are the three things that you impart. Predominantly, amongst other things. What does the body get when they get you? God is looking for maturity in his body. He's looking for us to be growing up. He's looking for us to be growing up as sons and then to fathers. There is a spirit of adoption that is over the body. There is a spirit of adoption that is over this nation in this hour that God looks back to all of his sons and says, come back home, come back home. God calls his people a peculiar people. He says, come out amongst them because I have called you. You are a peculiar people. Come out from amongst them and be holy. And what is holiness? Holiness is not the absence of sin because holiness existed before sin existed. Because he was holy and he was there before the beginning. Holiness is, I'm not like you. When my son was born and he began to walk, many people would say to me, he looks like you. And I'm like, he doesn't look like me at all. My father-in-law would sit there when he began to walk and he was like, Joe, he walks just like Nick. It's amazing what genetics does and when it's passed on, that there are things that my son does that I don't have to teach. Your genetics changed when you gave your life over to God. It's amazing the things that you will do when you allow the Spirit of God to take over in you, that you are just like the Father. You are just like the Father. I want you to do some reflection this morning because all of us are sitting at different places in our lives. I want to ask the question to you this morning. Are you a faithful son? Do you care about the things of the Father? I want you to meditate on that this morning, not about your things. I have people that pray and then they'll say to me, Nicholas, I was saying this and this and this and this to the Lord. And I was like, that's fantastic. What did the Lord say back to you? And they're like, no, I didn't hear anything. But, you know, the Lord knows my heart. But do you know the Lord's heart? Do you know what God cares about? Do you know what God cares about? 
Are you faithful to the things of the Lord? When God gives you resources like money, like a job, like anything, are you faithful to those things? Discovering your calling and your purpose, understanding that God has called you son. He's called you daughter this morning. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. There are attributes given. There are things that you begin to understand when you look at your own life. You begin to see how you really are. And then you begin to see God work through you. I really care about people. I really care about the things of God. I really care about the state of our nation. God is a just God. God is a merciful God. God is a graceful God. Being part of the body of Christ means we extend the grace of God. Who have you extended grace to? When you receive, you know, when you're standing next to a robot and somebody comes to you and they stand in a, a traffic light, for those people who don't know what a robot is, not an AI thing, you know, not, not next to Terminator. When you're standing next in a robot and someone knocks on your window and they say, you know, money, food, have you got just two rand for me? You're not, and I know that a lot of us, we, we try and serve God with our soul instead of listening to our spirit. So we try and behave good. And we know that the Bible says that your righteousness is like dirty rags. In other words, you can't be righteous by yourself. It's God's blood who makes you righteous. It's God through you that makes you righteous. It's not even your faith that helps you. It's God's faith. God has to bring you to the end of your faith to give you new faith so that you may believe in a new way. And that is what produces righteousness, right? And so when somebody stands next to you in a traffic light and they ask you for some money, what is your natural inclination? What is it the first thing that you think about or what you do? Because it's not just necessarily about what you do, but what is the first thing that you think about? What's the first thing that enters into your heart? Do you look at him and go like, look at this lazy swine. He doesn't get a job. He's not working. Do you, what do you do? Your first inclination is God, should I give him something? Watch. I have seen a man cast out a demon spirit that came, came now, now just listen to what I'm saying. I've seen a man cast out a demon spirit inside somebody that that demon spirit came through an event like that where the spirit came in. And when I say cast out a demon spirit, I'm not talking about the guy manifested and, and, you know, begin to vomit and throw up. And then there was a demon spirit left, but there was a spirit of poverty that came upon the man because the man had given to someone that was poor. Now that contradicts Bible because the Bible says he who gives to the poor lends to God. Right. But because that, because he gave to a poor person who took that money and went and did witchcraft with it, or he purchased something with witchcraft, because that, that's what they were signed to do. The guy just gave a spirit of poverty came onto the person you give because whom you give to, you are connected with. Okay, watch. When you don't give, when God tells you to give, you go against God. But when you, when you give and God didn't tell you to give, you open up yourself to things that you connect yourself to. When you get involved with relationships and God says, don't get involved with this relationship and you connect yourself to that relationship, you allow things to come in. Now, as a faithful son, everything that you do reflects the father. Which means that as a son, when I invest into this business, when I invest into this person, when I build this relationship, I am saying that my father would want to be with this person. When you open up yourself to giving to things that you're not supposed to give to, or you cut off where you are supposed to give, you are connecting yourself to someone and you've got to ask yourself, does God want that connection? I've sat next to robots where God says, don't give to this person. I've sat next to robots where God says, give a hundred rand to this person because that's how much money I had on me. And I gave him a hundred rand. It's not about the amount and it's not about the fact that I'm fancy or that I gave. It's not about that. It's about being obedient to the leading of the spirit of God, because that's how you know you're a son of God is because my father would want me to be in this relationship. My father would want me to be connected. My father would want me to do this and ask yourself this question, everything that I am connected to, I reflect that my father would be involved with this thing because that's how that relationship worked with father and son. 
God is interested in this person, and therefore I must be interested in this person. My father would want me to conduct business this way. In Judaism, they still practice that today, where certain people, certain sons sit at the board meeting with the father, and they sit there for years, and they're not allowed to say anything. They sit there for years, they're not allowed to say anything. And then there comes a time where the father says, okay, now the son is ready, he can take over the business. So when they ask something, the father then switches roles. He keeps completely quiet and he looks at the son. Because the father had makes the statement that if you have spoken to my son, you have spoken to me. That's why the Bible says don't judge anything before it's time. Because you reflect the father. You have the authority as you judge as if the father judged. You represent Christ. You represent God in all of your dealings. And how does God want to be represented? That kind of just leaves something with me. I don't know about you because I can't see all of your faces. But it leaves something with me. That God has called me to a higher place and to a higher standard. And discovering your calling, and I'm going to close off with that. Discovering with your calling and your purpose and understanding where God has called you. Understanding to what God has called you. He's called you to be in service. He's called you to be willing. He's called you to a clean life. He's called you to be a son. When you begin to understand who you are, what you do just flows from who you are. What you do flows from who you are. Whether you're a prophet, an apostle, a CEO, an MD, a janitor, a graphics design person, an artiste, whatever you, you do flows from who you are. And whatever you do represents God in your dealings. And so I want to close over that this morning. And I want to thank you for joining because I don't want to keep you here all day because if I don't stop, I'm going to carry on. But I'm so thankful that you joined me this morning. And I'm going to close off with that. And I want every person right now where you are listening to my voice, I want you to just position yourself to hearing the voice of your father <clears throat> calling you his son. And understand that you are being called into a spirit of adoption, that God calls you. When I asked God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And I was really embarrassed about what I did. I was really shameful about my sin. That's why I don't judge other people because I know who I am. And I've always said this to people and they don't always understand this, but the day that I pass away, the day that I go raptured or whatever, and I get to the gates, <clears throat> And he says to me, you can't come in. I'll understand why. Because I know who I am. And he is the righteous judge. If he says to me, you can just live here outside the walls. I'll understand. Because I know who I am. And if he says to me, go away from me. I never knew you. And I have disappointed him so much that he wouldn't allow me in, that would be hell for me. Not some place with some guy with some stick, but to know that I have disappointed my father so much that he wouldn't allow me in. That's what true relationship looks like. Don't become a Christian. Don't serve God because you think it's good for your business or because you want the blessings that come with it. It's about a relationship that he invites you into. And yes, he is the final authority, but he is not like your father. He is not like your mother. He is better than that. He's not going to turn his back on you. He's going to invite you into this place where he wants to speak to you. Have fun with your father. Jason Upton writes this song where he says, I try and do everything that I try and do and then I make mistakes and then the lyrics go something about and we start laughing between God and I. Knowing that your God, your father, sometimes when he looks at you and you fall, doesn't kick you and say to you, look at this stupid child. You're just like your mother. Can't find your feet. He laughs at you and he picks you up and he says, come my son. You being evil, know how to do good, give good gifts to your sons. How much more your father in heaven? How much more will he give you? Once you think about that, it's not about our tick boxes. 
It's not about what I can do in my own strength. Living clean is not about the fact that I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. It's about what happens inside here. It's about the fact that I try and I try and I try. And then the Spirit of God comes upon me. And then all of a sudden, that what used to have a grip on me doesn't have a grip on me anymore. Now I can walk past the TV and not be like, ooh, what's that? Now I can walk into a bar, into a pub, and I'm not tempted to take anything because why would I want it? I have more. There is more waiting for you in this relationship with God. So where you are, I want to pray over you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I just bless, Father God, your sons and your daughters. And there are some people on the call that have this issue of identity inside of them that are still wondering. Father, I'd like you to bring some peace, Father God. And I want, Father God, every man and every woman, Father God, hearing me, begin to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Yes, I have called you to be my son. Yes, I have called you to be my daughter. And you're not alone. I pray right now that the Spirit of God come upon every man and every woman. And Father, that you would raise up fathers and mothers in the church. That you would raise up fathers and mothers in the body of Christ. That would act out as servants, showing us how to be. Speaking and calling out the identity that you have put inside of us. Father, this morning, I pray that you would give us the grace that we may hear the voice of our Father say, Welcome home, my son. Come, my daughter.